Welcome to the Miles Pike Podcast, a podcast that strives to foster excellence in gospel music, both on the stage and in the local church, through conversations. I'm your host, Miles Pike. I'm hoping to probe into the lives and minds of gospel artists, industry legends, and some frontline people on the worship scene. Guests include fellow artists, pastors, session players, producers, songwriters, comedians, radio personalities, and theologians. Subscribe to not miss an episode. Share on social media with the musicians, pastors, and music ministers in your life. And please rate and comment to help take us all the way to being able to say that dozens and dozens are listening. Thank you for taking time to join in on the conversation. Now on to the program. As a traveling musician, it is a rarity to be invited into someone's home for a meal nowadays. Usually it is take out or go sit in a restaurant. But in October 2015, while we were singing in crowded New Jersey, Pastor Will Costello and his family went several extra miles and hosted us in their parsonage for almost a week as we ministered in the area. That is even more of an amazing offer when you consider that they had four young ones and were just a few weeks away from adding number five. Did I mention that we were total strangers? Ever since, we have had a close bond that has made our families tight and spending more weeks together when travels allow. Will is currently serving the Lord on the West Coast and we added many more memories to our file as we crashed in on their family of seven with our family of five with five-week-old twins in tow. He is a graduate of the Master's Seminary in Los Angeles, California, and a dear friend. Join us as we talk through some of the elements of worship. All right, well, here we are with Pastor Will Costello all the way in Visalia, California, and uh, it's hot and toasty over there during the <laughs> summer, as I understand. Yes, but I appreciate you taking some uh, some time out of your day to come be with us here on the podcast. But uh, Will is a dear friend of, uh, of my wife and I, and we've been in their home. They've been in our home and uh, just go back uh, several years. I love their family and thankful for the time that God has given us to get to know one another and, and just grow in friendship. But, uh, but Will, just kind of introduce yourself and tell them how we met. Sure, sure. Thanks, Miles. It's good to be with you today. And Miles, I believe it was in 2015. Uh, it was a wintry day, as I recall, and I listened to a, voice, a voicemail, and there was this uh, Texas twang there, but a, a voice that I just loved. And I said, I need to call this guy. <laughs> and uh, we had a great time. I think we talked almost an hour. And I just wanted to hear oh, about yeah. you and, and get to know you. You had been to Parker Reardon's church there in Connecticut. Uh, he's a friend of, of mine and and of yours now as well. And so you were making your yeah, way Joey down. Yeah, Joey and uh, mm-hmm. Chris Pandolfi. Yeah, lots yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. So you were in the Northeast. And as you recall, I, I was serving at Faith Bible Church of Jackson, which mm-hmm. is uh, about an hour and a half south of Long Island there, right in the central part of Jersey. And they're at Faith Bible Church. And, and you came, I think, in a few months, right? It was maybe, Yeah, it was a few months after that. We were, we were booking a New England tour. And, yeah. But yeah, the, the friendship was very immediate on the phone and just it was. The, the fellowship it was. of the of the spirit and common interest and all. So yeah. uh, it's been it's been good. It's it sure good. has. 
Yeah, it's been great. Uh, now, uh, where, where did you go to seminary and your background and all that? Basically, aside from having uh, an impeccable taste in, in friends, <laughs> why, should we, <laughs> why should we listen to you? That's right. <laughs> well, I'm no expert, that's for sure. And I do know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and have been saved and so so grateful that I am a true worshiper in that regard, according to John 4, 23 and 24. Uh, but I, I, a little, little background on me, I uh, went to Liberty University back in the late 90s. I think I graduated in 02 uh, with a biblical studies major. And then I just stayed on there and got a master's of arts in religion, then a master's of divinity in ministry, and then came out to the master's seminary. I studied and got a master's of theology and Bible exposition. So I've been studying a lot. I think that's because of my background. I was raised in the Assemblies of God, and I was raised uh, with a lot of uh, charismatic uh, influence. And so I really was lacking in the theological uh, realm, and so I thought it was important for me to know Scripture. So that explains why I was <laughs> so many years in school. So, And then I got a doctorate after that um, most recently, so... I've been in school a lot. I've been studying the Word now almost 20 years. So I feel like at this point in time, um, the Lord has just blessed me to be able to uh, know Him through His Word and be able to help others know Him better by under, understanding His Word better. So that's a little that's bit about great. me. That's great. I always, uh, always uh, laugh a little bit. I, uh, I know a lot of people who have... Uh, who have doctorates, and you can call them doctor this and doctor that. But yeah. if I get sick, I'm going to die. They can't help me. That's know? right. <laughs> oh, that's totally true. But, <laughs> but with all the, uh, you know, 20 years of, uh, of studying the Bible, I always like asking this of, uh, of pastors and theologians that I've had on. Uh, average Sunday sermon, how long are you in preparation and, and prayer, and, and what's the ratio there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Sunday nights is a lot less, uh, probably five hours or so for a Sunday night message. But for a Sunday morning message, it's usually 15 to 20, more more on the 20 end. And so, yeah. and again, depending upon the subject, may take more time or less time. But I'm devoting, you know, five mornings a week at least to, to study, an intense study, you know, four or five hours, yeah. six hours at a time. So. Yeah, it's it's work, you know. We gotta, <laughs> but it takes a lot of energy and effort, right, to uh, accurately handle the word of truth. So, oh, a absolutely, and yeah. I, um, you know, I, I think it's good for, I think it's good for God's people to hear and be reminded that uh, you know, good biblical preaching to take the the scripture accurately and carefully, and to be able to bring the context of when it was written, who wrote it, and all that, mm -hmm. and, and the historical narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd take, I'd take, you have to know a, a lot of stuff and yeah. uh, have to rely on a lot of help from uh, commentators and stand mm -hmm. on the shoulders of the Spurgeons and Calvins and uh, all the, the great uh, men who have gone before. Yes, uh, for so sure. So it's, it's good to remember that pastors are, um, it, it's, it's a full-time job. There is, it is. no, there's it no is. breaks. Mm -hmm. It is. But um, we're, we're going we're gonna to spend the majority of our time because of the nature of the podcast series uh, on worship, but uh, let me just start off with a little bit of a simple question, but it, there may be more to it than, than we know. Is there anything in Scripture that indicates that con is, uh, singing and worship are connected to our spirits? Is that something that turns off and on? 
uh, does the act of worship engage um, our spirits, or is that something that's just always there? It's always on, it's always active, and, uh, and music is just an element. That's a great question. When you talk about singing with your spirit, or I think the language that Paul uses in, uh, in Ephesians 5 is uh, singing with your heart to the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, Ephesians 5, 19. He says in verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So the command there is to negatively not to get drunk, but positively to be controlled rather by the Spirit. And then that evidence is in a speech that's fundamentally different from the world. And that is, we speak in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And there, Paul lays out three genres of worship music that are critical to a balanced uh, singing worship service and, and, and singing life in the church. Psalms mm-hmm. right out of the scriptures and then hymns are more declarative uh, statements about who God is and what God has done. And then the spiritual songs, much more confessional. This is my response um, and, and, and my, my affection poured out and adoration poured out for God for who he is. So a little more, more personal, more subjective on the spiritual songs. And I don't, I don't, I think between hymns and spiritual songs, there's, there's some overlap there. I certainly know of some hymns that really declare the greatness of God. And then they call us, you know, to, uh, you know, like behold, behold, our God does that. It declares who God is. It says, you know, who has held the ocean in his hands, who has numbered every grain of sand, kings and nations tremble. It's, It's very declarative. And then the, the refrain is behold, our God seated on his throne, come, let us adore him. So there's such a, there's a call yeah. to pour out your heart in, in affection and adoration to our Lord. And I see a blending there of hymns and spiritual songs. But then, but then to answer your question, he says that we're to, do, we're to do the singing. And then he adds a second verb there, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And the, the making melody is not connected uh, with a chi. It, in Greek, which means it's, it's not a a, a, a a conjunction there that's added. Uh, so the making melody is a further explanation of what of singing. So we sing, and the way we do that is we make melody with our heart to the Lord. So the heart again is the seat of of all that we are inside of us, our our thoughts, our aspirations, as well as our emotions and our feelings. So. Really, our whole being is to be engaged, and we're to make melody with our with our voices, of course, singing, but also with our hearts, our whole inner being. And that is, in the particular context there, is he's telling the church at Ephesus how they are to live uh, as the the people of God, how they are to walk worthy of God. And in chapter five, he talks about walking in the light and walking in love, walking in imitation of God Himself. And here it's walking by the Spirit, and this is how the Holy Spirit operates in his children. He leads them to sing and to sing with all their heart, 
So it, it, it is something we're to do from our hearts. Jesus says we're to sing or, or we're to worship in spirit. That speaks of our inner being is to be engaged, our inner man. And so you asked a question about turning that on or turning that off. How would you, you want to ask? Well, it's, it, people treat worship services sometimes as I've got to go to church and activate my spirit. I've got to turn it on. I've uh, got to get into the music before I can worship. Yes, yes. And I, I would say uh, that that would be an incorrect uh, approach because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation in Christ. You have a new nature and a new disposition. You see life as oriented uh, toward God, and you see all things as descending from God. He's the creator, including yourself. And so because of that new nature and that new orientation, you are, you are living a, a, a Godward, God-centered, God-glorifying life. And so that's, that's, your, that's your MO. That, that's how you roll. That's, that's who you are. And so music, I think, is a means uh, to help, help us you know, provide structure and, and meter and melody to the song that's already in our hearts. But even if we were bereft of instruments and for some reason we, we had no, you know, electricity went out, we couldn't play music in the background, that, that wouldn't remove our song. We, we would still have a song because we, we are the redeemed and, and the, the redeemed people sing the song of salvation from their heart. And so music, music yeah. is a blessing when it's there, Miles, and but it's not essential to worship. We can, we can worship God anytime, any place. If our hearts, again, are being led by the Spirit of God, and He will lead us to thanksgiving, to praise, and even at times to lament, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I don't know if I will articulate this well, because I haven't really uh, put it together in my, in my mind before, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm thinking about people coming to church as though, We've got to work up to something in order to feel something. And I feel like church is more accurately supposed to be the place where we come. And it's, you know, it's, it's not of works, let's see, mentioned boast. You know, we're, we're not trying to please God, uh, you know, and earn God's favor by works. But we're going to worship Him sure. out of faith and out of sure. love. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's more the place where we come as the corporate body and we settle into the actual reality. Yes. You know, it's like the rest of the of the world is so uh, so much a thing. You have to work up to it. You have to get the energy to do this and to do mm. that. But I think uh, worship should be just as natural as me. Uh, you know, coming in after a hot, sweaty day. You know, outside doing the necessities of life, and you know, me coming in and hugging my wife. You know, it's just right. it's where I settle. It's where I rest, and. Um, I think I think it's it's not so much a working up as it's reconnecting with your loved one after being in the muck and the mire of the world. <laughs> and um, tell you what, that's a side note. But uh, something you said um, uh, kind of sparked a question. Uh, yeah. I, I had not really noticed this before, but that verse in Ephesians where it says we are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns yes. and spiritual songs. So 
we're, it doesn't say to sing them. It says to speak to one another in them. And I find that very interesting. And I mm. don't know if the Greek tells us anything there. I, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, uh, any any insights there? That's that's a great uh, great question, Miles. I think the yeah the the focus there is on edification, on corporate edification, and I think there is something truly special and unique uh, in the church when we are worshiping together, when there's gathered worship. That's a, that's a unique worship that we we can only offer as a body, uh, just like in the Old Testament when. Um, the sacrifices were offered. There was a number of them that were part of the the uh, the holiday, right? If it was Passover, everybody was coming. Everybody was bringing their their offering, right? And so here we have the same in, in the church. We we do this together, and and the speaking is just that. It's it's we are we are singing basically to two audiences, really. We're speaking to God, uh, first and foremost, but we're we're also, in addition to that, we are speaking to one another. There's there's, uh, the ministry of of exaltation to exalt God and the ministry of edification to build up the body of Christ. And so that's that's really important. That's why it's such a blessing sometimes when we sing uh, antiphonal songs or songs where you know, the, the guys may sing a verse and then the gals will sing the second verse and then the guys will sing the third. And we're basically singing to each other as we're all singing to our Lord. And it's just, it's so edifying, right? You, you've, you've heard those kind of songs. They really minister to me because it gives me an opportunity to be quiet and actually listen as my sisters in Christ are speaking uh, those songs and uh, speaking them to to one another, you know, to those that are listening. So, all right. Well, um, may as well get used to uh, splitting hairs. So, here's something I was wanting to know. Sure. <laughs> Should we come to church with the attitude to give to God or to receive from God? I think our focus as believers, because of who of who God is and what He's done for us, the Scripture says in First John four nineteen, we love. Because he first loved us. So we have been given so much by God, first and foremost, in sending his son, right? To, to, oh, to be the Savior. Him, without him giving, yeah, we're not there anyway. That's exactly right. So we've actually taken from God first in salvation. We've received something from God. And then our, our automatic response as new creations is to worship, is to give thanks and praise and service. And so... That's the orientation of our life. We, we, we have the ultimate, the pan-ultimate blessing in God himself. Because if you think about it, the world is characterized as those who, A, have no hope, and then B, they are without God in the world. It's Ephesians 2, I think 11 through 13, speaks about the unbelieving as without hope and without God. We are, are the exact opposite, Miles. We have God, and therefore we have hope. So we are, we are so blessed to have that, that living hope you know, through the resurrection of Christ. We know that, that, that death has been defeated. We know uh, the grave will not hold us forever. We know that hell is not something we're to fear. We know that we have an eternal inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, does not fade away. So we overflow in hope, Romans 5.13. 
And so with, with all of those blessings, our, our orientation now is to give. Because we've been given so much in response, we want to give back to God and we want to give back to the people of God. And really, we find that that's essentially what God wants of us anyway. The great commandment is to love God with all your being, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Jesus was asked for the greatest commandment, and he had to split it into two, right? He gave, this is the great commandment, but it's part A and part B. It's vertically, love God with all, all your being, and then horizontally, love your neighbor as yourself. So when we go to church, here's, here's how that applies practically. When we go to church, that is the, that is like the most uh, incredible opportunity for us to do those very things um, it, it, with the greatest um, coverage, if you will, because we've got brothers and sisters all around us. And our, the whole reason we're gathering there is because we're the people of God. We love God and we love one another. And so it's a celebration and it, uh, of God and, and his, his gift of the church. So, so I think we should approach this as Hebrews 13 says, it says, it says there in Hebrews 13, 15, uh, through him, that is Christ through him, then, uh, let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, uh, the fruit of our lips and give thanks to his name. And then the next verse, verse 16 says, or 17, I don't remember. It says, and, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So the word sacrifice there is latruo. It's a word for worship. So uh, it means to, to, to render an offering or to, to give homage, right? So, or to render service. So, so we're, we're singing uh, thanks and praise vertically to God because he's so awesome and he's been so gracious to us. And we're doing good for one another. We're, we're greeting one another. We're, we're encouraging one another. And, and at times, and as needs arise, we're giving financially uh, to the church or, or to the benevolence or to a missionary or to somebody in need. We're doing good and we're sharing. And, uh, and, and the Bible calls that doing good and sharing sacrifices or literally offerings of worship. That's what we're doing. So, yeah, to answer your question, we come to church to offer worship to God. Um, praise, thanksgiving, as well as ministry and good deeds done well for others. So that's got to be our orientation. And what we'll find is because the New Testament commands, you know, the one and others in particular are reciprocal. They're things that we give and get in the body of Christ. So as we edify and as we love and as we serve, healthy believers are doing the very same because they're coming with the same mindset, not to take, but to give. So they're asking us how we're doing. They're, they're greeting us. You know, and, and uh, they're, they're blessing our lives with encouragement and kind words and so forth. And so it, it's mutual. And therefore, the body is mutually edified. Each member is built up. So if we go to church with oh, the yeah. opposite m- mindset, I'm going to, you know, I need a blessing. I need, I should go to church. Then we've missed, we've missed the idea of worship entirely. Because even in the Old Testament, when they came to worship God, they came to bring something to God. Worship is something that you render. It's something that you give. So that's that's where, you know, I remember they took it off the internet now, but Joel Osteen's wife, 
um, she had made a real silly comment. She said that worship is really about you. She said, it's not even about God. It's about you. And God knows that he's, he's okay with that. He wants, Oh yeah. And it's just like, I mean, everybody who knows anything about the Bible would just say, you know, that's error. That's gross error, you know, because it worships not about us. It's, it's, it's about him. And, um, we give him Psalm 29 too, the glory that's due his name. That's, that's what we render. So yeah, our orientation, Miles, has to be to give. That's why we bring our money to church. We want to give to the Lord's work and support it. We bring our spiritual gifts to church because we, we, we come to serve others, to, to, to bless them in Jesus' name and, and work for their maturing in Christ. And that, that, has, to be the, the, that has to be the focus. And I, I tell my kids as we're going to church sometimes and say, guys, let, let, let's stop. Let's pray for the people that we're going to see. You know, especially if we're going to even a small group Bible study, like on a Thursday night, I'll say, okay, we're going to see uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bosman and Paige and Kate. We're going to be a blessing to them. We're going to see, you know, Craig and Kathy. Let's pray that we can be a blessing to them and encouragement to them. And really, what are we doing? We're actually worshiping God and preparing to, to worship by going in there and doing good to them. And that's, that's the way we need to approach church. Yeah, I think more, more often than not, the... Uh people that you know if, if you're if you're deep in the weeds in prosperity gospel i don't think this is your concern at all but if you're more prosperity gospel light in that yeah. you are coming expecting something from god i need an emotional high i need a lift i need uh you know to feel a lot better when i leave these doors and that's what you're expecting it's like if if uh that's the way you approach worship i think we we very often miss yes. the blessing the Lord has for us because we don't consider it to be uh, a, a source of it to be the church, the people we sit by on the pew, that we're going to give to them, they're going to give to us, and and we're going to keep up with one another throughout the week and pray for one another. And, and we really miss out on the blessings of fellowship, of being plugged into the body in an active way. Oh, sure. And uh, knowing one another's needs and ministering to one another's mm-hmm. needs. And... Uh, and, and, you know, that I was just thinking uh, whenever you were answering the question about an old bluegrass song I haven't heard for probably 20 years now. Mm. But uh, you don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. Right, right. And uh, and I think, that's you know, Jesus ties those things together. It's like, okay, what's the greatest commandment? Well, you should love God. But you're going to love your neighbor if you love God. That's why that's they're right. inextricably linked. And, yeah. um, and it would seem that, you know, whenever it comes to worship and the act of worship— um, Christians very often seem to put music at the top of this pyramid as though it's the ultimate expression. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that our private life is the foremost place because it's our true essence. It's where everything else is stripped away. It's what you do in your in your in the privacy of your home and your prayer closet, and the essence of who we are. You know, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's like not necessarily all of that is visible to everyone at all times. You know, so it's what you do in private. And then the corporate worship, uh, the gathered church. So, um, is is it fair to say that music uh, is just a subset of the congregational worship experience? Sure. Or so is is it an ends or a means? Yeah, I, I, I would say it is. It is a subset. It is. It's a great blessing. I mean, God's made us musical. 
creatures, right? He's well. I hope I hope it's important. Oh, it's what very I do important. For a living kind of yeah. stinks, you know. But yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say. But uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't say it is insignificant. Uh, I think music and and the use of instruments is is a common grace that God gives to humanity. I was at, I was at the uh, doctor's office yesterday, and a guy was telling me about uh, some famous recording artist, and he basically got out of, you know, kind of running the streets and, and kind of, he, he basically avoided trouble by getting into his guitar and learning how to play it. And it ended up being, you know, his vocation in life. And so, and there's, I'm sure that story can be told a thousand times over of people who have oh, found yeah, music. music yeah. Or art sure. Or, oh yeah. Know, yeah. It's a, it's a definite uh, grace I mean, uh, raccoons don't do that, you know, uh, chipmunks don't do that. It, this is, this is our gift, you know, that to write music and to join together harmoniously with voices is a gift of God. So, and I think the Psalter is, is there and particularly the last chapter where it speaks about the harp and the lyre and the timbrel, you know, and the, you know, the tambourine, I guess. And the, there's all these instruments there. So so I'm a oh, regular. Yeah, yeah. I don't see many. I don't yeah. see many harps or timbrels in church anymore. But yeah. boys full of liars. I tell right, you. <laughs> right, 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 right. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know, those those instruments are they're a blessing. You know, we have we have the drums, the guitar, the bass guitar. We have a grand piano. It's beautiful instrument. Uh, guitar again, guitars and voices. And we we sing to the Lord, and it is great. And our, our music just keeps getting better at our church. But it's certainly a means. It's a means because, as you were saying earlier, we worship because we're worshipers. So we're worshipers first. And, and as we worship God personally, you know, and, and continually throughout all of life, we bring our worshiping heart to the worship service. And so that that worship is sort of greatly enriched and enhanced and enlarged in its in its joy and in experience when we can add those those musicians there that just they aid us in our worship. They provide direction and and melody and harmony that just en- enriches the song that's already in our heart. And so it's a, it's a means for sure. Like I said, if if for some reason we had to go to the underground and we couldn't make a lot of noise. So we had to whisper, you know, I'm just thinking about like the persecuted church, for example, if they were, oh, yeah. you know, without, China today. yeah, without all these means, does that mean that worship stops? And the answer would be, of course not, that you can't stop a worshiping heart until it's dead. And then it just continues in perfect worship, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that it goes to glory. But, but here, yeah, music is a, is a means it's a wonderful gift. Um, I mean, we, we do singing oftentimes at our table with the kids, just picking up the hymn book. We don't have any music. We just sing a cappella. We just use our, our vocal instruments, right? Our, the human voice and go for it. My kids love that. And we, oh, yeah, we the really, most versatile, that's the most versatile instrument. Yeah, it's, absolutely. So yeah, it's certainly uh, a means. And if people say, you know, I've heard, you have, you've heard people say miles, you know, I just can't really worship, uh, with that song or, you know, that's just not my vibe. You know, that's, that's just, just not me. Oh, I yeah. really can't get yeah. into that. You know, 
and great, you're, you're certainly entitled to your preferences. Don't get me wrong. But a, a worshiping heart will worship. And it is not music dependent. And I think that's a key, yeah. key idea there. Yeah, I feel like stylistically with churches, it's. I feel like it becomes a challenge to decide who we as a church are going to please. Mm-hmm. If if we're if we're trying to please the world and make music that it will appreciate, we're we're going to fail because it seems like the church is always about ten years behind where the no. world is. Right. You know, they just uh, while while you know the internet is exploding. You know, the majority of churches have these you know trashy looking little websites and. Mm. You know, everybody else is uh, going digital, and this church is, uh, you know, has a cassette tape ministry. Right. You know, it's just like we're always behind the curve. So, I mean, they do secular better. I mean, that's that's what they are. Right. And and so, if we, on the other side of the coin, if we try to please the people in the pews and they become the focus, well, in a lot of cases, they've been so infected by the culture that it's the same as pleasing the world. But uh, if if you if you try to please the individuals well you got to please the the youth and it funnels the sound in such a way that the older audience is left out and then if you try to please the older people it's the same problem you leave the youth out so and and I, so many churches have fallen into the, the the argument or fallen for the argument uh well the youth won't come to church unless we do a b c d right and so, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. My, yeah, my, my point is, you know, haven't we completely missed the boat by not trying to please God first Absolutely. with, you know, with the music and making music you know, pleasing in that way? Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, worship is not about us. It's about him. And so if we are teaching that and we're modeling that and the people you'd hope that the majority of the people in your congregation are actually born again people, that they're actually saved. And one, so one would hope you would but, hope. Uh, yeah, you would certainly know. hope. So, it, <laughs> yeah. So uh, to your point there, we our music really should be determined on on texts. That That's really what 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 should determine our our music. And so we, we have variety there. There's uh, certainly uh, different genres there in Ephesians five. Verse 19, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And so the key there is if, you know, psalms are easy. They come right out of the Bible, right? So we could just, you know, read those or put those to music. Uh, But the hymns, we got to make sure, you know, that theologically they are accurately representing who God is and what God has done. And that's where the exercise of discernment comes in. Um, We are to not quench the spirit and we are to test all things and hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Uh, First Thessalonians 5. Well, yes. Yeah, as, as long as you're not, you know, going off into the weeds and, and sure. you know, a, a cult or something, you know, if you look in a hymn book, you're going to find mostly tried and true songs that have lasted because they did meet the requirements. And so I feel like that's, you know, that's always a good place to start. Yes. But you have to understand that I mean, for every hymn that we have, I mean, how many hundreds of songs were written that got left behind? Right. You know, mm-hmm. that, that didn't make the cut. And so I think we have to remember that uh, in regard to the, the new music as well. Um, 
just because it's been playing nonstop on on the contemporary stations for the last month, and it's all that everybody's humming and all that you know the churches are doing, that doesn't mean that in a year or six months or or even in three weeks that <laughs> people are going to remember that song right. because That's very it's, true. it's really just the it's it's the ones that uh, resound with the church. Yes, uh, that 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 last and and I get I guess um, let, let me go here because. Yes, we're trying to please God, but again, with the loving your neighbor, yes, because you love God, wouldn't it follow that God wants us to please the old and the young? Uh, the verse in Romans, I believe, preferring one another, outdoing one yes, another, showing, showing honor, love. yes, and honor. Yeah, sure, do, do nothing sure. for rivalry. So, I mean, yes. why is it that that it seems like there's you know, you walk into the door, oh, you're that kind of church. You're more geared toward the old. You walk in, oh, you're more geared toward the young. Correct. Why, why is it, why isn't it there more blurred lines yes, where yes. you're just being the church? You're expressing everyone in the congregation. Yes, yes. You're, you're onto something, Miles, for sure. And I really appreciate it when a church has a blended worship. They're, they're pulling from psalms, they're pulling from hymns, and they're, they're singing spiritual songs. And I think that that's a that's a, a sign of of depth and and, and God centeredness in a church. And I also think with that, every church is different, um, and every church has different mu- musicians with different and varying degrees of musical talent and ability. Oh, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it absolutely. should be said that you're if you're a pastor or you're a worship leader, you ha- you have to do what is in your wheelhouse. To do, yes, and and with that, you got to do it to the best of your ability, whatever that looks like. And so, we've seen that here. We have different worship leaders. Some are much more comfortable with uh, spiritual songs. Some much more comfortable with hymns. But what I've challenged them both to do is to sharpen one another. And and the hymn guy, we want to to practice some spiritual songs, and we want the the contemporary guy to to get to know and learn some hymns. And so with that, they're, they're expanding and broadening their toolbox and really for the good of the body because we need both. We need both. And so I would I, say I do the best with what great. you have, but understand the, you can't, the Bible doesn't teach be te- sing hymn, hymns only or sing spiritual songs only or do psalms only with no instruments. You know, neither, none of those are viable options. The blended approach doing the best you can with the musicians you have, I think is the highest road to take. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb here Mm -hmm. and maybe, uh, maybe lose some friends who who, uh, are listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast. And I have no particular, uh, church in mind when I, when I say this, but Martha and I doing what we do. I mean, goodness gracious. I think now 1600 concerts, I mean, churches of all, backgrounds and denominations and sizes and everything mm-hmm. else, uh, you kind of get a sense, you know, after the first few hundred, you can very quickly diagnose from the outside some some issues, you know, that are that are kind of, you know, they may not be, they're not, they're not the death of a church, but uh, they're more like a ward on its nose. It kind of stands out, you know? Sure. And um, I, I'm just going to say, uh, I have rarely, rarely, ever been to a church that had an early butt crack of dawn traditional service for the old folks and then a contemporary service for the youth at the at, at 10 30 or 11. 
that didn't have some underlying health issues. Because what they've effectively done is in trying to please everybody, they have, they have two different churches. Hmm. And the feeling is when the old folks all die off and they don't want hymns anymore, we'll take that service too, or we'll just have one service. We're just, you know, sweeping you on out the door. Right. And making making the young people the, the focus. Sure. And and whenever you don't have that respect where there's cross pollination and that that, uh, that old old wisdom that should be passed down generation to generation and some of these young people don't have they don't you know, godly parents. They mm-hmm. don't have parents that take them to church. They need to be in the presence of these older people and see how they worship, see how they love their spouses. And I'm going to get on a big tangent and we'll be, you know, done with podcasts. But <laughs> that that is, um, right. that's a pet peeve of mine. And I think it's one of the most unhealthy, counterproductive things that a church can do. And it's, and it's all in the name of, of, uh, of tolerance. You know, we talk about tolerance. Well, that is intolerance. Right. The old aren't tolerating the young. The young aren't tolerating the old. Mm-hmm. That's intolerance, yeah. but it's in the name of tolerance. Right. And we see that in the political realm all over the place. So yeah. it's bled over into the church. Yeah. It's a, it's a pragmatic move to try to keep peace at any cost and make people happy at a superficial level. And that's just not what the church is tasked to do. The church is tasked to uh, be one to be one, really, to, to with one heart and one voice glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I think Paul puts it in Romans 15. You know, we're, we're, it's the unity of the church that we're to promote, and music and the, the, the worship of God is what, what should unite us. And if it's dividing us, then it's not God that has the problem. We've got the problem. We're, well, and and, mm-hmm. and if, if the church is supposed to exhibit unity, that's the that's a big picture of disunity. Right, right. And if the greatest commandment is love, then love it has a unifying influence. It, yep. it, it, as we as we each prefer one another, what are we doing? We are getting along is what we're doing because we're each preferring the other. There's mutual edification. But where we're each pursuing our own desires, what ends up happening is we end up going in two different directions. And and then we're, mm-hmm. we're we separate, and there you have the you know the youth at eleven, you know the seniors at eight, and that's just not a picture of the multi generational uh, beauty of the body of Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you touched on this a little earlier, but um, you know the idea of well that's not my style of music, therefore I can't worship within the lyrics. I can't worship. Uh, about the truth that is being proclaimed, and so you know how how shallow have we become that the style is not what I grew up with, and and that causes us to disregard the message and waste the opportunity to sing with the congregation of the saints. Um, right, it's it's really a first world problem. You know, it's oh, kind of like uh, my microwave broke and getting all. <laughs> I gotta like, fix the wheel on my motorhome. <laughs> oh yes, yes, oh. Yeah, uh, but you know, I guess I guess I'd put these two things side by side. The Bible not only commands our worship, but it commands our deference to other yes. brothers and sisters. Yes, amen. Um, and Philippians two four, go to verse ex- exactly, and mm-hmm. and it's like a, a, a thing of comfort. And so, you know, comfortable is uh, is the word that people use to describe the road to hell. So, mm. <laughs> what um, should we be comfortable when we worship? Is that something we should strive for uh, to be comfortable? 
Well, I think that would be not a New Testament goal. I mean, let's face it, the church was at times, I mean, I think of, you know, here's an extreme uh, illustration, but think of uh, Paul and Silas having been arrested for preaching the gospel and thrown into prison. I was just thinking about it. And it says they they rejoiced. They were considered worthy to suffer for our Lord and his name. And And they were heard at midnight singing hymns to God. I mean, wow. I mean... I think of Second Corinthians one, where where God tells us through the Apostle Paul that as our sufferings increase, so does the comfort of Christ along with those sufferings, or, or to really to meet us in those sufferings. And so, comfort's not the goal. Uh, worshiping and glorifying God is always the goal. And when we when we want to apply that in the local church and in the context of how we order and arrange our worship services. Things have to be done uh, uh, with dignity and 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 with orderliness. So that that should be more of our of our goal. We want excellence in music because we we don't want you know the the, the altos to be singing flat and the tenors to be singing sharp, and and the worship leader is half deaf and and you know can't sing his way out of a paper bag. We don't want that because that's gonna that's gonna contribute to pandemonium, right? And and total chaos which is the opposite of what uh, the worship of God should look like. It should, it should show that our God is a God of order and of dignity and of decency and uh, of unity, really. And so how, how we do that uh, is, is critically important. Our, our goal with our uh, worship leaders, as well as with our sound techs, uh, you know, on the sound team, we tell them we got to eliminate distractions, guys. We don't want speakers that are squeaking. We don't want to forget our music, our, our the, the lyrics. We don't want to put the uh, PowerPoint up too late so that people don't know what to sing next. You know, they're lost because we weren't on our game. So I think our goal should be let's let's make music to the Lord from the heart with all the excellence that we have within us to offer him. That's what we should give him, our highest and best. For sure. Yeah, and I, I, I find this interesting, and I, I uh, just if you have any thoughts on this, but it would seem that you know when you take the lines and you start drawing off denominations and, and the different churches, if you put them all in in their bowls, I mean there there's going to be some some variance on how they worship and and, and music styles and sure. all that, but pretty well it's it's going to fall. You know they're going to be very close to one another, and if they if one goes to the next church, they're not going to be put off by what's happening there. But you know how how much of our how many of our denominations are actually divided by these huge doctrinal differences, and how many are just divided by worship style? <laughs> hmm. it, you know because it, it, it seems to be very much along those lines. Yeah, I'll never forget Miles. Um... I don't know if I read it or somebody told me about it, but just the account of uh, uh, it was a, a young guy. I think he was in his 20s and he had two churches that he went to on Sunday. And his rationale for that was, well, I go to church A, let's say, you know, the Baptist church for the preaching. But I go to church B, you know, the, the charismatic church for the worship. And so, and there, I mean, he, what he's doing essentially is he is regarding the church 
uh, just like a consumer would approach uh, buying clothes for a, a weekend event. You know, I'm going to get my I'm going to get my sneaks, you know, here at this store and I'm going to get uh, my shirt over at Macy's or whatever. And you and so you're, you're just picking and choosing your your you're a consumer buying a product and that's very yeah. much uh, alive and well. And I think that the reason that is, is because there are teachers in the church, uh, many of them in the mega church movement that cater to this kind of thing. They, they actually promote it. That's how they approach church. They put the, the desires of the quote unquote seeker at, at, at the center. And so they ask themselves, what, can we do to make the quote unquote seeker happy, healthy, and at home? And so, but that's not at all what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, the Bible teaches that man in his own nature doesn't even seek after God. He's turned his back on God. Romans 3, 10 through 12 teaches that very plainly. And so, oh yeah, I think it's a yeah. consumer culture. A I mean, consumer culture, material. yeah. We're very materialistic and we very are. driven by, I want it this way, I want right. it that way, I want my burger without onions. Sure, If you bring sure. it with onions, I'm going to send it back. I'm not just going to pull them off. <laughs> sure, and I think, you know, you know, we live in the, United, you, the great old U.S. of A., and we, we have many luxuries and, and, and options. That's a real blessing that we have those kind of choices. But we cannot, we cannot take the American marketplace mentality and bring it to church with us on Sunday. We cannot do that because we'll be woefully disappointed. Because, like you said, our music's not as good as the world's, you know, as far as uh, technique and style and so forth. And people are going to let us down. You know, the, the greeter may not greet us with the kind of uh, warmth and, 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 and smile that we would have expected. You know, maybe maybe the, the, the you know, the, the gal at Burger King, you know, gave us a better smile and warmer greeting than the person at church. That That very well happens many times. So... We don't. We definitely don't want to come with that. You know, what have you done for me lately? Um, mindset, and so oh. you uh, you make some some good points there, and it, and it's a shame. Oh, so I was getting back to the fact. As a pastor, if you're a pastor or you're a worship leader, you need to do your level best to to educate people on what the scripture says worship is, and that's going to take time. That's going to take years to do but you know but they they have to learn that worship is not about them it's not about how they feel it's not about uh their 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 emotions being moved or 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 you know their uh their senses being uh uh touched you know it's it's not about it's not about that at all it's 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 uh really worship is an offering uh, of, of, of service to God as we sing, as we give thanks, as we offer prayers. And all, all of that, let me add, should be centered around the word. This is really important for people to understand. Our whole worship service is to be guided by the word of God. And so when we come to church, ideally, if we're following the manual, then what's going to happen is we're going to hear the word in preaching. We're, we're, we're going to speak the word you know, in, in, in preaching as well. And we're also, uh, we're going to speak the word to one another as we sing these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which are songs that are derived from the word of God. 
and and see it see it in the sacraments and, yeah you know, see the word of god exactly yeah see the word of god in in the lord's supper and in the baptism of new believers and then and then we go out from there and then we're to we're to spread that word we're we're to, we're to have the gospel always on our tongue that we might share the living uh living christ with others that they might come to know the power of God unto salvation, which is found alone in Jesus, in his uh, his, his divine, uh, virgin-conceived, sinless life that he sacrificed on the cross to pay the penalty that sinners deserve to pay. He took it in their place, absorbed the wrath of God, and then three days later defeated death and rose again in his resurrection, that now he is alive and the Savior of the world, that whoever... Uh, believes in their heart that Jesus uh, is Lord and that God raised them from the dead and confesses their sin, that person will be saved. I mean, that's salvation. So we're to be be gathering uh, to sing the word, hear the word, speak the word, see the word, and we're to scatter into the community that we might share the word of God with the lost. And so if, if that's, if the word of God is, is basically uh, engulfing, everything we do and informing and transforming everything in the worship services, then our people are going to be sanctified and they're going to be uh, trained as to what worship is, why worship services exist and what role they have uh, in that. Yeah. A lot of this, I I keep coming back to what was mentioned earlier about Paul and Silas. I mean, just, just, yeah. If the listener can put themselves in this situation, you're in a a stinking, uh, you know, no no toiletries, no bathhouse, no nothing. You're in a dungeon with, you know, rodents and pests, and um, you're sitting in a dungeon, and you've just had your back beaten bloody. You're laid up against the wall, and stocks were not like you know the we think of the the pilgrims, you know, being put in stocks where you were hung, you know, with the with the wooden brace around your wrist and everything. These were Roman stocks where your legs were spread to their extremities oh. and locked in place, and it just got it was terrible, terrible pain. Mm. And the longer you were there, the worse it got. Oh. And, you know, so your back's beating bloody, you're sitting in that position, and they muster up a song. Mm. And... Um, and not expecting for an earthquake to set them free, not expecting the jailer to to be saved. I mean, it's just that that's not the reason they sang. And so, compare that to where we are sitting on our our plush pews that mm. have indentions where our tails sit there for years. Right, right. And uh, you know, Climate it's the control. family pew, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And then we complain about the beat of the music or the loudness or they need to turn it up or I don't like this song. I mean, right? isn't it safe to say when we have come to the conclusion that Christ is not enough and the presence of the Holy Spirit is not enough to elicit our worship, I mean, have, haven't we moved into idolatry? Absolutely. No question. No question. Yeah, I think I think we have. We, we've exalted ourselves, really. We've put our our highest priority on our own comfort, our own feelings, our own enjoyment, and that mitigates uh, true worship. In fact, that's the very opposite 
of true worship. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Christ hanging on the cross for us, and we come to worship him, and we say, okay, when everything is right for me, oh, yeah. You know, when I feel right, when I feel good, when I get in the mood, I'll worship you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just such, I, a, it's such a disconnect. Yeah, from, you're right. You know, I'm thinking of a, this is a true account. I've I experienced this personally. When we were at the small church in uh, Faith Bible Church, I was there from uh, 12 to 17, about five-year period. And we, we made that leap of faith, right? We, we, we stopped meeting in the uh, one-room schoolhouse, you know, classic, you know, little house in the prairie uh, church chapel. And we went, uh-huh. we went down the road a mile or two to the Jackson Liberty High School, where it was a, a larger uh, facility and more parking, more space, um, just safer I, I environment. That. And I, I'll never forget what, what one lady uh, said. She says, oh, I, I won't be going to the school. I, I could never worship God in school. I wouldn't be comfortable there. I mean, that was exactly just, I mean, almost for what I just told you is, was how I quoted her. And I wrote this in, 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 uh, when she said it. I, I put it down in a paper. And, and it was that whole idea that really, and her idol really was, was self, but it was also tradition. She, she had become so acquainted and accustomed and comfortable and, and happy in that routine that she had been in for decades that the idea of disrupting that for the sake of other people and, and having a larger facility to welcome more people, she was unwilling to do that. So she, she, she would have her idol and she would not have anything else. And so, yeah, that's very, very sad. And that, that woman, interestingly enough, refused to get water baptized. So I, I actually had to, to, to uh, tell her that she's been uh, demembershipped from the church because we, in our constitution that we rewrote, we only uh, have baptized people baptized in water to admit into church membership, which I think is a biblical um, measure to take. So anyway, probably more, more well, information. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah uh, that, that, that no, mindset that's is alive world. and well. You know, I mean that's that's a whole whole thing of uh, of obedience and baptism yes. is supposed to be somewhat humiliating. Yes, you know because you're acknowledging that you deserve to die. Right. Uh, you acknowledge you're a sinner, and um, you know that's what the the Jews even before Christ, when when John the Baptist was baptizing them, they knew what they were saying. It was a washing for cleansing from sin, yes. saying I am a sinner, and um, so yeah, that's 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 very important, and and you know. You know, when in dealing with people in the church who have that mentality, I mean, it's like um, you. After a certain point, when you're looking at fruits, you kind of have to assume, okay, you're lost. You know, you're not mm-hmm. adhering to scripture. You're not. Um, you're not dealing with that. But I mean, also just people coming in the back door. I mean, they come in and they were invited by somebody, a coworker, and they weren't raised in church and. And, you know, sometimes the music is not what they're accustomed to, and if they may leave because of it. You sure. know, like, I'm not sitting through 30 minutes of this. And uh, I just, I want to I want to ask you a question, but I want to preface it by reading this quote from R.C. Sproul. I, sure. I, I cried when that man passed away, just a, a great uh, asset to, to the church, such a faithful servant. Um, but he said, the gratuitous leap of logic comes when the church leaders think that because people are searching for benefits only God can give them, they must therefore be searching after God. No, they want the benefits without the giver of the benefits. And so structuring worship to accommodate unbelievers is misguided 
because these unbelievers are not seeking after God. Seeking after God begins at conversion, and if we are to structure our worship with a view to seekers, then we must structure it for believers, since only believers are seekers. He's he's onto it. Mm-hmm. He's on, I, he's on I just I thought that was so so good, but I mean, is there aside from you know every sermon, every worship service, you know, having the element of of the cross, the proclamation of Christ and the gospel, should we uh, design our services to target the lost in any way is to is to please them? Are, are there times when that would be warranted and wise? Well, here's a really simple, simple answer. Um, worship, the worship service is our party. It's not their party. And so... You know we're we're there because God has saved us. We, we we're new creations in Christ, and we glory in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh, which means you know no confidence in in that old uh, fleshly uh, part of us that used to dominate and, and and rule every decision and every thought. But now we're crucified with Christ, and our our, our our life is now lived with Christ in God, and so worship worship is is, is our deal. It's it's our party, uh, it's it's our celebration. An unbeliever is a guest at our at our party. So, you know, if I'm if I'm hosting a party, I'm I'm going to play the music that I want to play. And if and if you want to, if you like it or don't like it, it's it, you know it, it's my party, right? I have I have the the, the right to do that. And I think I, I, when it comes to the church, I, I mean, we're not do, to do approach this in a, in a you know self-serving way. But the reality is, uh, the worship of God, the true worship of God, is something only believers can do. And so, it, it's it's our celebration, it's our party. And so, the unbeliever, like First Corinthians fourteen describes, he should come into that as a guest and really be ponderous and and thoughtfully curious about why we're making such a big deal about about Christ and the cross and the blood and you know the 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 drama of redemption and all of these things and all that grace and truth and wonderful things such as these uh have upon us they 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 really sh- should come in as outsiders looking in and so if our music is biblical, if our lyrics are theological and our, our music and approach to, to it is full of reverence and awe, you know, taking into account that God is holy, he's majestic, he's not like us, he's transcendent and so forth. If we're doing that well, then what's going to happen is they are going to feel like outsiders and hopefully if God is drawing them to himself, they're, want, they're going to want to know more about why we sing and celebrate like we sing and celebrate. So, yeah, it's, it's, our, yeah. it's, our, uh, it's our song. It's our music, uh, not theirs. And so there should be that distinction is what I'm trying to say. Well, let me, let me ask you a pastoral question now because I'm sure there are music ministers, there are pastors who are listening to this and maybe they've just taken over a church and they would like to improve the music, but um, 
you know, that, 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 that takes time, you it know, does. it goes back to that tradition thing, you know. But um, I'm thinking of, of uh, Lily and Charlie and Phoebe, our three little ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting them to eat what they need to eat as opposed to what they want to eat is a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that they like to eat that thankfully has some nutritional value. But um, it's it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a struggle, and and no good parent feeds their children solely what they want. I mean, right. that's just the fact of it. For sure. So why why do we tend to be so timid in presenting some songs just because they need it, or just because this song is superior to this song? You know, may, maybe you don't like the rhythm or the beat or the instrumentation, but content-wise, which is where it matters the most, this is superior. Um, I mean, is it is it fair to say that if the preaching and the exposition of the Word of God is solid, then the church will demand good music eventually? Eventually. That they won't be yeah. satisfied with oceans and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, self-centered, shallow songs? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the worship is a response to your knowledge of God. So... If that's if that's true, if your if your knowledge is shallow, your response is going to be shallow, and you you'll have very low expectations when it comes to singing and songs. But as you deepen your well and you fill your heart uh, w- with the greatness of the knowledge of the glory of God, oh my goodness, your 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 hunger for for music that is befitting uh, and. Uh, Basically, that is that is worthy of God, you know, in all His magnitude and, and glory and greatness and splendor. Um, you, yeah, your 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 tastes change and your um, your expectations rise. And so, yes, as a church deepens in the Word of God, they will deepen in their appreciation for solid scriptural, theologically sound music, and that that will will basically be the the new normal in the church and it takes time for that and i think oh yeah and i think worship leaders need to be sensitive that you know you can't you can't just say you know i i love the getty stuff it's like way better than what we're singing so you know what we're just gonna you know we're, we're pitching into the waste paper basket all of our, our old songs and we're just only going to sing the gettys like a, a change like that yeah. is too dramatic it's like trying to feed steak to a to a one-year-old right it's 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 too dramatic so what you want yeah, to do it is... it may just be a thing of, right. of introducing one song a yes, month. Yes, one song a month. Yeah, get like them that. accustomed. But then you're, you're, you're moving in a direction. And you'd be amazed. And, and prayer is the key to that. You keep bringing this to the Lord in prayer. You know God wants, you know, uh, lyrics that are befitting of who he is and, and that really draw out his, his grandeur and splendor. Of course he wants that. So you want that, but... Getting there is going to be a journey, so let's let's be patient, let's pray, and let's introduce new things over time. And what I'm one of the things I'm doing right now, Miles, is I'm meeting with uh, I meet with our worship leaders. I, I have pretty good relationships with all. We have three worship leaders at our church, and we have a deacon over worship that's been there a long time, 30, 40 years. He and I have a great relationship, and uh, we meet you know every we usually meet at least once every six weeks or so. And then, and I have some younger guys now, and I'm meeting with them. One of them I'm meeting with every week, 
We're going through a book on worship. So you definitely want to want to make transitions slowly, but you want to go in, in the right direction. And then that's to be done with a lot of prayer and a lot of patience. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking uh, while you were talking of a, uh, of a quote from Spurgeon. And I, I believe it's Spurgeon. And I, it's been a long time, but it was one of those that stuck with me. He was talking about there's truths in the scriptures that um, that are shallow enough and and gentle enough that lambs can wade in them. Yes, but there are some that are so uh, deep and and fathomless that elephants can swim. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I just love that yes. you know that that comparison and 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 I think um, I think as you grow in maturity, you can appreciate. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the yes. Bible tells me so. You know, Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way, and if I love him when I die, he will take me home on high. You know, that's, yes. that's great, it's, that's wonderful. It's glorious, yeah. yeah and, and you can appreciate that, and you can worship with that, you can worship with your family, leading your children in it. Sure. And, you know, and just your heart bubble up with, yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. I'm proclaiming something true. But, um, you know, but uh, there, there comes a time when, you know, God, Christ is calling us to maturity, that we should be able to appreciate, crown him the Lord of life, mm. uh, or, or uh, let's see, crown him the Lord of love, behold his hands inside, rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified, all hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for thee, uh, thy praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. You know, it's Amen. like, yes. when you first get saved, that probably goes right over your head. Right. But, um, but you know, it just it reeks of scripture. Yes, <laughs> it just it it drips with it, and I I love that. It's it's uh, there's something for everyone in the scriptures and in worship, and it should be tailored to the the level and abilities of the church. But you should speak to the children. You should speak to the mature. Yes, and um, and I guess you know talking about you know immaturity in the pews. I feel like we truly have feet of clay because we are so prone to to look around the sanctuary and find someone with our hands up and they're singing big. and So we say to ourselves, boy, they're really worshiping. They're really getting into it. Right. But assuming that the person quietly singing with their hands clasped in front of them and their head bowed, they're just not that into it. Right. Uh, to think them less spiritual. Correct. Uh, we're, we're, we're so... Uh, we're so driven by what we see, and we judge by what we see. Um, but how much can we really know about someone's spiritual walk with the Lord by how they worship? You know, there's there's different there's different forms and expressions, postures, and positions when it comes to worship, and we see that throughout the scriptures, don't we? I mean, oh, yeah. we we see uh, Jesus on some occasions. I think when he was. Uh, breaking the bread, right, to feed the thousands. He says he just lifted up his eye to heaven, you know, and, and, and gave a word of thanks to the Lord. And, and other times you see, you see Daniel, you know, praying and he's bowed, you know, down, you know, facing, you know, the window and, and can be seen there doing that. And so, and lots of other illustrations we could we could point to. So I think it's important to recognize that worship true worship is in spirit and in truth 
So in spirit means it comes from your 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 heart, your inner your inner being, a life that's been transformed by the grace of, of Christ. And then in truth, it, it, it's it's a response uh, to the truth that one knows, um, the the truth that one knows about our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So well, and what yeah, what comes out of your heart? It's it's grounded in the truth that you just heard, or the truth that you know. Right. And, right. Yeah. Sure. So there are, and so, and everybody's, everybody's different. You know, not, some people don't even have the, 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 that grade of health. So to even stand up during a, a full 15 minute, uh, singing set would be too much for them. And so I think we're, we're wise if like, according to Romans 14, you know, we withhold judgment from people. And, um, and in that, and in that way, you know, it says, let, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather do this not to put a stumbling block in another brother's way. So I think if you were more expressive and you love to, you know, kind of move around or raise your hand, you really, really want to check that and make sure that you're not being a distraction, you know, or maybe maybe doing that at the back of the church might be more appropriate than doing it at the front of the church, just depending upon what others are, are doing in that same worship environment. So I, I think that's, that's really important. I remember going to uh, a church, a church I dearly love, but people just did not raise their hands. So I, I was raised to raise my hands and I know the Psalmist talks about it. Even second Timothy talks about men lifting up holy hands unto God, which is as a posture of surrender, right? And offering of oneself to him. So I remember if I, if I did that, as I recall, it was kind of like, you know, I'll raise them, you know, a quarter of the way, you know, or just, just in front of my, my face, you know, like I'm looking at my hands right now in front of my eyes. That's about as far as I would do that. Just because I felt like in that context, it would be more of a distraction than anything else. So, and I think that's, 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 that's just operating in Christian love and not seeking to, uh, Draw attention to oneself, which is the last thing you want to do in, in worshiping to God. Yeah, yeah, and I was raised, you know, the, the same way. And mm-hmm. I, I think uh, what it comes down when it comes down to it for me, the main problem when you are boisterous in your worship is it's unaccompanied emotions. You know, emotions that are not tethered to truth mm. and not tethered to. Uh, consideration for where you are and, and the body around you mm-hmm. and, and whether it's distracting. It's like I feel extremely emotional during concerts and I feel sure. you know uh, you know very deeply about songs that I sing but um, I'm going to uh, you know meter uh, the, the way that I express it yes. because I don't want to, be, to to say hey look at me worshiping right. you know and draw attention right and um, that's good of you. And I, th- and I think, uh, you know, thinking on the truth and dwelling on the truth, meditating on the truth, uh, whether it be in private uh, devotions or or in congregational worship, I, d- I don't know that there's any way that it doesn't bring about an emotion, you know? Sure. It, it, um, sometimes it, it breaks you on the rocks of your own sin, you know, oh, and the yeah. emotion may not be a pleasant one. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we go toward the other end of things. You know, God loves me because I'm so wonderful and grand. Um, <laughs> and so that's what you expect every service, you know. And, and so there, I don't know. I think it's good to be broken. It is. Um, oh, yeah. 
and uh, and you know God remakes you. And uh, another another Spurgeon quote, uh, if I can get this, he said, if we if we choose a false way of worship, we shall before too long choose a false god to worship. Yes, and mm-hmm. and I feel like it's more often than not. The, the false god we choose is ourself. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we're, yeah. we're 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 tailoring it to what we want to do and what we want to feel, what we're comfortable with, and um, so so going to the uh, to the church that, that I, don't, I don't know what church you're talking about, but to the scenario that you painted where you would be more of the type to you know raise your hands or the Tim Hawkins thing, carry the TV, Mufasa, you know, touchdown. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen that uh, that bit that he did, but it's pretty great. You know, the different ways that Christians raise their hands. Um, I I have been in uh, in several situations similar to this, but one of them in particular where oh man, the the choir just lit it on fire. Mm. I mean, everything was pristine, and the soloist just. You know, I feel like I'm levitating. There's an orchestra, and then the word is preached, and the entire service. The only thing there was from the audience was there was a chuckle or two during the sermon when something funny was said, and I think I heard maybe one half-hearted amen from across the room. Um, so anyway, I mean, when everything is that electric and perfect and the truth is just being trumpeted so loud and you want to rejoice in that but nobody else is i don't know what to think of that i mean if i sat like that through a good sermon martha would think i had stale cereal for breakfast you know <laughs> um what, what how do we process that i mean you assume it's a solid good church but what is the biblical admonition that they're following in that reaction or lack of reaction rather you mean uh, amongst the listening, uh, participating audience, the ones? Well, I mean, really, it was it was the totality of the church, right? Um, you know, and and whereas, I mean, I'm just out of uh, habit and, and, and uh, desire to respond to what has just been said. You know, the soloist finishes, and I, my hands are in midair, fixing to clap together, and I realize nobody else is doing it, mm-hmm. and so I just stop, and it's it's stifling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what's the What's the thought process? I think what I would say is there is something to be said for um, being respectful and honoring to the church leadership and and the worship leader and how they are conducting worship, if you will. Um, So it may it may feel stifling, but. Is it too terrible a thing to to feel stifled, you know, in a in a service that a is not your local church that b you're a guest at, and c is doing things or that they're doing things, you know, as they do them, and I'm not in any way suggesting that worship should be reduced to immaculate performances, um, which in some cases, you know, there are churches that. Have people from you know the state philharmonic you know in their orchestra? They have professional singers you know that that are leading and so on and so forth. And so the the quality is so high that it, it really is. It's like you're you're going to a concert. I mean, this is just a uh, truly uh, a work of art. You know what we're what we're listening to, and yep. at times that can actually you know especially if it's being done for a TV audience. As I remember a church 
when I was in my early 20s, they, they were on TV, you know. And so when you were there, there was certainly that sense of, oh, I, I better not say something or cough or, you know, I don't want to mess up the tape. You know what I mean? It is that kind of feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I, I, I just think, again, primarily the, the worship services are for the worship of God. They're for the edification of the people there. Primarily, before they are something for a, a, a TV audience, um, so those are those are things, and I, I just think having the wisdom to know that you know not every church is going to be the same, and my personality and my uh, kind of of uh, worshipful expressions may not be priority one at this new church that I'm visiting. So I, I think taking all that into account is is wise and allowing for differences. And I think each church does have its own personality, if you will, based on, yeah, on the personalities of the leadership as well as the theology of the church, you know? And so, well, I guess that was more my question is, uh, is there a, is there a biblical text they would use or, or a principle that's uh, more descriptive than prescriptive? You know, I don't, I don't know. There's not a verse that says don't applaud or don't say, sure. you know, don't be boisterous. Um, is there, what, what would they point to to say this is why we do it the way we do it? Because generally there is that. Well, the verse I've heard appealed to a lot for orderly order in a service and things being done well is uh, 1 Corinthians 14. I think it's at the latter end of the chapter where Paul says all things should be done decently and in order. And, okay. and, he, and he's talking about, and there he's addressing some of the more chaotic problems that were happening at Corinth with multiple people singing out or, or speaking out in a tongue at the same time, multiple people uh, giving prophetic utterances at the same time. And so Paul was very specific to say, if somebody has uh, a word to give, then... If it's another tongue, then it needs to be interpreted for the whole body to hear. And if somebody has, yeah, yeah, and, and in that he context, said, yeah. that would be my my understanding, yeah, of, of and, it too. It's all like, yeah. okay, let's have, let's plan the service, let's have a bulletin, let's decide who's right. speaking when, right? And have approved people who speak and, and correct and all that, and that's what we're trying uh, to do. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I guess it's a bit of a pull um, of my mind just trying to think through these things because I'm in a constant. Um, bit of, of flux in understanding yes. it because of what I do. I get up and I sing and it's a cultural thing that people hit themselves over and over again to, you know, yeah. uh, clapping and applauding. Uh, and and if, if it's a Christian there, I mean, my hope and belief is they are worshiping with that applause. If they get up and they stand on their feet, if they say amen, it's not to me, it's responding to the truth that was just presented. And and they can appreciate the way I, you know, put it on the plate, but I didn't cook it. You know, it's just, I'm just presenting it. Right. And so, but, but if it's, um, you know, if, if it's a lost person, I mean, I don't know who they are. I mean, it's, it's a completely different kind of applause. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may just be applauding my voice or, or, a, you know, stage presence. I understand there's a dichotomy there and it's completely different from a church service. Mm-hmm. And, and I treat secular venues differently than churches. I just do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I got up, I mean, at a, at a church and I 
you know, was doing a concert and there was never any applause, I'd feel like I stand up there naked. You know, it's mm. just like, wow, something is, wow, nothing's reaching these people, you know, and it, it's kind of a response to, uh, a response to what's being said. And it's like, yes, I'm with you. I agree. Amen. And I guess that's why maybe it's a little, maybe more jarring for me than it is to, to, to some others. Hmm. Yeah, that could be. And I think you'd be more sensitive to that given the number of venues that you do in a year. You're, you're oh, privileged, yeah, yeah. you know, to see a great variety within the body of Christ at different churches. And, you know, there was a verse I was going to mention. It's in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so yes. that, that, that's a very powerful principle there that there's we, – we, we have desires, you know, I'm sure if that – person that you know wanted to edify the whole body by giving a message but somebody else was doing it and he had to wait you know he he had the ability to to wait and and to demonstrate self-control and patience and deference to others and that's what Paul was saying is that just because you you're you want to say something or you want to raise your hands or you want to give some kind of worshipful expression in the service you you can control that you know, your spirit is subject to you, just as Paul said, you know, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Um, yeah. That's good. That's, that's, that's important. Well, let me just throw out one last sure. question before we get to our, our, our lightning round. Uh, one thing we haven't really talked about, but is, a, is a very much an interest to me, uh, because the, the majority of the churches we go into uh, doesn't matter the denomination so many of them have just completely gotten away from the idea of congregational singing. And I talk about, you know, me doing a concert is a different structure from a worship service. Well, a lot of these churches have turned their everyday services into a concert where, you know, you have the pianist doing all these big things and the electric guitar player doing riffs and, you know, and, and a lot of them fall short of, you know, getting the smoke machines and pyrotechnics going. But, you know, it's just you're there to listen to the worship leaders sing or the band play or the praise team uh, do their stuff, and the congregation doesn't sing. Um, I mean... How can we call that a worship uh, well, well, service? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like, well, how, sure. how can we re-engage that? How can we one of underline the things, that as important? Yeah, one of the things Clayton Erb, who's been the worship director at Grace Community Church, I think, for 40 years... Just a remarkable guy. He's in his mid-80s now. And he would always say, the greatest instrument in the room are the voices in the congregation. He, he would refer to the choir as the choir, and he would refer to the congregation as the great choir. And wow, because he had a biblically informed understanding of what worship is. Worship is the offering of the worshipers, that's what it is. And so it's not the performance of the musicians that does not constitute a worship gathering. And so that, that's critically important. Should the worship leaders pursue excellence and you know excellent musicianship? Of course. But at the end of the day, if they're not uh, enabling and inspiring and directing the congregation to sing, from their heart to the Lord, they've actually failed in leading worship because they haven't led worship yeah. 
they've just song, you know, they've just sang or they've just, oh yeah, you know, so. Well, and we've got away from hymns and part singing and, and, and I, and I say hymns, we've gotten away from hymnals mm-hmm. and part singing and all that. And that's a whole other conversation and, uh, and I won't, I won't get on all that, but well, I'll just say uh, as a, you know, as a pastor, isn't it um, a really bad thing, biblically speaking, when words appear on the wall? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do it all here. We have PowerPoints in the morning. We sing out of the Hymns of Grace, which is a new hymnal that came out, I think, in 17 or 16. It's a, it's Uh a, and so we, we do both. And, And sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think projecting the lyrics just as long as you pay your uh, CCLI <laughs> yearly uh, fees to do that, you know, you you got well, every I, right I, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love having the having the option. You know, oh, I sure. want to. Uh, I always pick up the hymnal because I want to. I want to sing a part. I want to add something to the sound of the congregation and 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 do it with you know excellence and. Oh yeah. I'll I'll take you know the the. Uh, the, the tenor part, Martha will take an alto part. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we we sing, you know, mm. and uh, I, I just love that. That's one of my favorite things is whenever we're at a church, and, yeah, they may have it up on the screen, too, but they've got the hymnals, and yeah. they, they give you the number. Oh, yeah. I just, I love that. It's, oh, yeah. Um, that was one of the first things I did, Miles, at our church, actually. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I, I wasn't here six, I think it was either six months or a year a, we started a, a Sunday night service, which we hadn't had in better part of a decade, and then uh-huh. and then we also brought in this new hymnal, and we took a special collection for it, and I promoted it. And my my goal with this was, we we need to learn the great hymns of the church, and we need to raise our kids to learn and appreciate and sing the great hymns of the church. And so, and I was so thankful because the congregation would was overwhelmingly supportive and we, we bought, you know, 200 hymnals or so. And we've, we've got them out there and, and people bought some for their, for their families. And, and it's great. And we continue to sing from them and, and to our own joy. And I have a friend of mine, uh, up in Washington, he's in battleground, Washington, pastors, uh, grace Bible church of battleground. And he was singing hymns that are not published in our hymnals. Like hymns from, Who's the one that 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 uh, sang "Amazing Grace"? Was it John Newton? John, John yeah, Newton. John Newton's written a plethora of great hymns, many of oh, which yeah. are not I, published. I, but he he's yeah, a guy I've, to look I've up. I've written a, not written of uh, <laughs> yeah. Notice that I've written I've recorded um, uh, two of his. That's not "Amazing Grace." Oh and, yeah. You know, I get I get some ugly looks from some old women in the audience when I tell them I I. I love these songs better than Amazing Grace, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, there's there's so much to, to pull from, and you know, it's it's not a not having a lack of good gospel songs. It's just a lack of of discernment and care, and you know, taking the time to go find them. Oh yeah, um, and another thing, so, another yeah. thing I, I recommend we we sing hymns usually every week, but when we were going through COVID. And we were all sheltering at home, and we did this oh, live man. stream the whole bit. It, I did a series. This is so interesting. I did. I went two and a half months, and I did a a, a long series. Actually, it was a series on love your neighbor. That was before COVID, so it was very timely because we were shut up in our houses with everyone. So learning to love one another is pretty appropriate and relevant. <laughs> and then following that, I, I I just continued my expositions through Mark, 
But what I did was I read from a hymn that that captured the theme of the passage that I was going to preach from. So, for example, the persecuted yep. church, I did um, that new Gettys hymn, Facing a Task Unfinished. Like I, I, mm, I went yeah, through, yeah. you know, I did about a third of it the first week. And then the second week, I, I think I finished the rest of it. But I actually read from the hymn before I read the text, before I prayed for the sermon, I read the hymn. And it was just my way of, of sort of, you know, priming the pump for people to get into hymns. That's what I, that's all I wanted to do. I want to prime the pump a little bit so they would drink from that happy fountain of joy, which is which is the hymn book. I mean, it is. Oh yeah, it is. A, I, I would say if I had to be on an island with two books, it would be a study Bible and a hymnal. No question in my mind. Yeah, um, hymns and uh, hymns are one of the most. Um, ignored forms of catechesis that we mm-hmm. use with our children. Yes. And a great hymn can distill these great, you know, expansive biblical truths into just two or three minutes. Oh yeah. You know, and, and so yeah, they're, they're invaluable to, to the, the work of the church and, and God's people. But, uh, well, well, I tell you what, it's, it's been great. I, we've talked about some of these things before, but certainly not so, uh, intensively and, expansively. Yes. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And Anytime, I always want to end. Oh yeah. We may do it again. Sure. Uh, sure. Love it. We, um, we always end this with some lightning round questions. Cause I think this is a good way to kind of end on a, on a fun note, but also it's a way to, uh, recommend some, some resources and just get to know you a little better as well. So, uh, let's just go through these real quick. Uh, favorite gospel artist. Favorite gospel artist? So that would be uh, besides Miles Pike. Um, oh, oh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say uh, I do love your your music, Miles. And we I recommend you uh, continuously. Um, I, I like Sovereign Grace music. I really do. I think uh, who's the gentleman out there um, that, uh, that writes that? that? Bob, Coughlin? Bob Coughlin. Yeah, I think he's a tremendous okay, yeah, yeah, gift. Yeah. I think he's a great worship leader and a great trainer of worship leaders. So if, if guys are wanting to grow as a worship leader, Bob Coughlin's the man to watch and listen to. He has some training uh, lectures that he's done. I know I heard him at the Shepherds Conference a few years ago. He was excellent. So Bob Coughlin's a guy uh, I, I think that's that's top notch. He's he's one of now, my Sovereign favorites. Grace, does he write all of those? No, no. He, the songs he doesn't his... write all of them. But he's kind of the face of that particular label. Um, okay, so yeah. Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Just Grace search Music. for that on Spotify mm-hmm, or, or go mm-hmm. to the website. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, as a, as a preacher, I'm just going to throw this yeah. out there. You know, you may get in trouble, but favorite secular artist? Do you have one? Ah, <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, I, I, I just like listening. I've enjoyed Johnny Cash, some of his older stuff. I really like his voice oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's rare that I'll just listen to a ring of fire, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like... Would you ever listen to Johnny's little brother, uh, Petty Cash? You know? Petty Cash, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, um, I like classical. So I've been listening to uh, two cellos. Uh, that's just a, two guys. I think they're Eastern European, and they they can just fill a house with incredible 
cello music. And some of it's a little bombastic and heavy metal-ish, which is not my favorite. So I kind of skipped those parts. But overall, though, very moving. I really enjoy it. That, that, that's, been a, that's been kind of new for me, actually, because I, I study a lot. So when I have cello music playing, it's just really, really nice, really soothing. So Yeah, I, here just in the last few years, um, especially since kids, I found instrumental yes. music, whether it be you know hymns that I know or just you know pure classical pieces that there's no lyrics. Um, that that's, that has helped a lot because I can't just walk through the house like I used to, you know, bellowing and singing and having music blaring, but I can I can have something going in the background that I can enjoy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, our favorite gospel song. You know, there's a song I heard uh, two years ago by Sovereign Grace called I Can Sooner Count the Stars. I Can Sooner mm-hmm. Count the Stars. And it just talks about, you know, I can sooner count the stars than number all your ways. Um, and it talks about God's God's love. Uh, you know, I can sooner turn back time, you know, than turn your love away. I mean, it's just very deep uh sound uh, lyrics that just just extol the grace of god in in jesus christ so i can sooner count the stars would be i think in the last couple of years my favorite i also like uh uh what wondrous love is this that's uh mm-hmm. that's a that's a favorite uh, in christ alone is a favorite oh, and uh behold our god by sovereign grace is, is another favorite so those are a few that that, that mean a lot to me. All right. Yeah. Now um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a caveat, and you don't have to answer me for this. One, okay. But All most right. <laughs> most influential person, just forget me. Oh Don't, don't yeah. mention me. Okay. Yeah, hands <laughs> down. Uh, for me, probably besides my my mother and father, I think they they've had the most influence and impact overall. Uh, outside of my family, would be uh, Pastor John MacArthur of uh, Grace Community Church. I think yep. ever since I was privileged to hear and read his stuff, literally his his ministry has directed really the course of my whole adult life. And I, I, I say that with no exaggeration. Um, so he, his, I, I think he's the go-to guy for uh, Bible teaching and uh, I think he's the premier theologian on the planet today, and I just thank God for him immensely. All right, how about a book recommendation? A book recommendation. I would recommend, given the topic, I would say, you know, Worship the Ultimate Priority by John MacArthur. Worship the Ultimate Priority. Okay, yep. And uh, how about just a a classical book like... uh, Tell of Two Cities or One Piece? I would say I just read Tale of Two Cities, actually, the abridged version to my kids. Um, I, I don't think if you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress yet, I, I think I think every Christian should read Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, so yeah. by John Bunyan, that that would be the number one. Isn't that second to the Bible, the most published? Oh, yeah, book? it is. It's the most published and, book, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and changed uh, or translated. I think the most translated languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Because yeah. it continues. My this. my kids continue to ask me to read it to them. I've read it to them multiple times, and they want mm-hmm. want to read again. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much. Oh, it's um, been great. We are, uh, 
we're so thankful for your time, and I know the uh, the listeners have uh, hopefully garnered some some stuff from our banter back and forth, and uh, just appreciate your your work for the Lord and and our and our friendship. Yeah, we'll to talking with you again. Yeah, yeah, you got to come visit us. Uh, I pastor here in uh, Visalia, California, Visalia Evangelical Free Church in Visalia, California, and we do have a YouTube channel now, so you could you can check any of our messages on there. And um, Miles, it's been great to do this with you. And you know you're always welcome at our home. And we really appreciate you and, and uh, love your family. And just thank you for the privilege. It's been, it's been great. Well, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this time that we spent together. I know that I have. And I pray that it has made you more appreciate the forms and functions of worship and the gifted people who help facilitate it. Continue the conversation by emailing any questions or suggestions you may have through my website at www.milespikemusic.com. That's M-I-L-E-S-P-I-K-E music.com. Support this endeavor by rating, reviewing, and sharing. If you want to go the extra mile, then I would greatly appreciate it if you purchase some digital downloads or hard copies of my music through the website and patronize our guest in any way that you can. Websites and details to that end will be in the show notes. This program plans to release every other week, so keep your eye out for the next edition of the Miles Pike Podcast. Till next time, worship wisely.